This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. BRFCS podcast, the only podcast approved to cover the 2018-2019 season by the New York City Rovers. Don't forget to check out www.brfcs.com. Last week at Ewood Park, the club held one of their regular fan consultation forum meetings, and I'm delighted now to be joined by a person who was there on the evening and can tell us all about it. It's Duncan Miller. You might remember Duncan from his um, local election campaign. It's a while since he's been on the pod, but it's good to have you back. You went to the supporters' consultation meeting last week, so what was your, what was your overall impression of the evening? Yeah, it's uh, good to be back in, and um, I think the uh, overarching thoughts for me coming out of the uh, consultation meeting was uh, a lot more positive than uh, than previously I managed to stay to the end of this one without walking out in a huff and uh, <laughs> managed to uh, take some uh, real positives away from it so I think for me it was uh, an overall uh, a pretty positive experience. So what made you feel that way? What was it that was said or is it just an intuitive gut reaction? Um I, I think primarily, I'd have to say Steve Waggett was the uh, catalyst for, for my positivity, really. I um, thought he came across very well, certainly better than previous people who've sat in that seat. Uh, I thought he seems to be trying his utmost to, to understand 
a little bit deeper what's going on amongst the fan base, um, less aloof than we've seen in the past. Yeah. Less, um, certainly more, underst- attempts to be more understanding and honest was probably one of the key things that I'd, I'd say came across as and, and probably a breath of fresh air, really. So as well as that, you know, you know what you're going to get with Tony Mowbray at, at such events. He's absolutely, yeah. absolutely open, honest, great to listen to. I think one thing that came across probably more so than previously, even with Tony, was probably a bit more positivity about what's going to happen going forward. And uh, I think, you know, the likeable guy that he is, it, it certainly, you know, rubs off a little bit and uh, it's easy to buy into what, what both of those two were saying. So what, what did Steve share in terms of his, his aspirations? What, what, what were the key things that are on his agenda that he'd like to achieve? Um, I think coming at it from Steve's point of view, you, you're very, um, you very much get the impression that he's, he's got a job to do and he's going to be very commercially astute. He's going to try and, um, as far as he can, make us you know, competitive uh, financially. You know, we all know the situation we're in. I'm sure we'll come on to that in a bit more depth. But um, he was talking about, you know, keeping us as competitive as possible, increasing revenues, and uh, a big part of that seemed to be, you know, to re-engage with supporters, yeah. get people back through the door, as well as exploring other revenue streams. And I think what was what was positive is this was all geared towards putting back into the team, making us more competitive on, on field, and trying to get us back into the Premier League, which seems to be, you know, the end goal and seems to be from what, from what Tony Mowbray said. Uh, something he wants to achieve personally sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's interesting looking at the, looking back now with the benefit of hindsight at the league tables for the championship last year. Um, mm. Norwich City and Sheffield United were ensconced firmly mid-table, uh, and neither of them exactly broke the bank over the summer. So, which it's, it suggests that there's a combination of some really shrewd scouting some really effective coaching, and, and it's lifted them up there. And lo and behold, here they are a year on, celebrating um, promotion to the Premiership. So we, we can but dream, uh, I guess. FFP, though, is something that is... Well, my take on this is that that's what's driving Steve Waggett's agenda. Um, the rules mm-hmm. are different in the Championship than they are in League One, and it's it's much more turnover-related. So yeah. what, what what sorts of things, what sort of initiatives did, did he allude to in terms of how he's going to get that income um, raised? Uh, and what Because what, this was before the season ticket prices were announced. What did he say in terms of getting fans to come back to Ewood Park? I think short term, um, it's been, you know, it, it's kind of a, a steady away approach to try and, you know, keep people coming back through the doors um, in a kind of, drip drip method if you will you know doing it fairly slowly but surely i asked the question there you know if we want to get thirty thousand people through the door we, we've never had people you know clamoring at the doors to get in even when we were winning the premier league so exactly. it has to be something pretty radical yeah, yeah. in order to um you know to get those those people through the door but what that is you know i haven't got the answers for us you know uh, we saw Huddersfield drop uh, a couple of years ago, drop the season tickets to 100 quid, you know, to get people through the doors. You know, listen to these ideas, but pretty firmly said, yep, that's all well and good, but, you know, we need to be making X amount of money to make sure that we're not falling foul of financial fair play. I think it's worth, you know, I, I read something on BRFCS the other day and I've, I've kind of hinted at it myself and talked about it with people before. People say, oh, ticket prices are dropping the ocean these days in football. In the Premier League, yeah. 
but I think not I don't in the championship. Wanna, not in the championship. I don't want to quote exact figures, but I, I, you know, match day revenue. I don't know whether that was tickets or you know the the entire match day spend, but it's making up twenty five percent of our turnover year on year. Yeah, you know, we don't have the TV deals that that the Premier League do, and the golf there is absolutely enormous. So, you know, I think they're working on some pretty tight margins to make sure that we are remaining within the FFP brackets that we need to be and trying to trying to stay competitive on the pitch as well. So I think short term, it was a case of, you know, we are balancing the books and it's, it sounds a pretty tight juggling act, I think. One thing that came across pretty clear was that the whole red button uh, scenario had been pretty detrimental uh, in terms of away attendances, you know, teams bringing fans to Ewood. And that seemed to be something that was, uh, you know, the club have got very little control over. And they really were a little bit uh, hamstrung by, by that decision with the red button that had come out of nowhere. Um, they felt it had negatively affected attendances. So I think they've been from and continue to be from what they said, I think 10,000 is their target for season tickets this year. So yeah. fairly, fairly sensible and modest in their targeting. There's not going to be anything immediately revolutionary that's going to cause huge groundswell in match day attendances and and the logic behind it is this sound really you know we need to make sure that we're you know if, if they drop season tickets to 100 quid but you know we only get fifteen thousand taking up the offer we're going to be Worse in off. a bit of a mess I, I think i'd better understand the the kind of tightrope that they walk in you know it's it, i think it's pretty easy to think that money's just swilling around football but um it does seem like there's there's a fairly important balancing act going on there mm. that, that they seem to have a good handle of um, to make sure that we're, we're going to stay within these rules. But mm. I, think, uh, I think one thing that, that Steve alluded to uh, quite a bit was long-term, you know, we've got to look for extra revenue sources. You know, some, some really big, brave ideas, I think, might happen at some point. Um, spoke a little bit about those, you know, the question that arises at a lot of these um, events is, about the Riverside. Now, personally, I, I, I love the Riverside. And when I do go to games and when I go back, that's where I'll be sitting. I, I just love it in there. And I, I, from when it gets redeveloped, because let's be honest, it will be an inevitability that that's going to be the first stand to be redeveloped. Looking at conference centres, hotels, etc., etc. Looking at these other revenue sources to make Blackman Rovers, uh, not, not just the revenues, not just coming from the match day, coming from all the activity going on at yeah, at the stadium. Yeah, it needs to be. I think the phrase seven day a week" operation was used, wasn't it? And that, that's yeah, that's very much the modern way. When you, um, I'm certainly I'm bombarded by uh, emails and things like that from uh, a number of hotel chains when I've booked business things and Lancashire Cricket Club with their. Yeah, I think the amount of money that they must make from hotels and selling bedrooms, yeah, they're almost like a hotel operation now with a cricket club attached. So, yeah, I, yeah, I hope the balance doesn't come out of kilter, but I think the, the point that you make is, is certainly valid. A couple of interesting things there. Um, the red button, I, I think that was the initiative of a, a chief executive who's leaving his role, I think it's safe to yeah. say, in the, in the EFL at the end of the season. I, I, I've not seen many clubs that have come out in favour of that TV deal. Uh, and Andy Holt from Accrington Stanley, you know, he's, he's very vocal on the subject because most of Stanley's revenue, to your point, comes mm. from match day attendances and what people spend when they come to the games. So if you lose 500 away fans who all might spend somewhere between, let's say, 10 and £20, pounds, that's that's a big hit, um, yeah. for certainly for a League One side. But, but even for us, you know, 
and I think, again, your point is well made about there's a lot of money sloshing around in football, particularly in TV, but it doesn't it doesn't come down to the Championship, and it certainly doesn't come down to League One and League Two. So it, it is a balancing act. The, the Huddersfield £100 season ticket initiative, that's great, as long as it doesn't impact total revenue. So, as you say, yeah. if we go from 10,000 season ticket holders to 30,000, then the, the club gains. But I always have that nagging doubt that if someone's paid next to nothing for a ticket, it doesn't have that uh, attachment and it doesn't have quite the pulling power to get them coming back year in, year out. That yeah. said... Uh, one of the initiatives this season is extending that sort of like midway season ticket price up to the 25-year-old. And I know it couldn't be talked about on the night because they hadn't announced the prices. But that that seems to be a way of bridging that gap from being a child through to an income-earning adult when you know money money isn't is tight, but it still en- encourages them to to keep coming. So it's it's interesting to see that they are. They did the survey last year, you know, they're contacting people, they are interacting, they're trying to find out what's going on. Um, Riverside, um, I'm old enough to remember when that was a terrace, and in fact it, you know, the first the first mm. game that I went to would be up in the old wings of the Riverside where they just had the old wooden bench seats. I think it would be great if that could be a stand that could come back with safe standing or something like that. I think that would uh, would help. Yeah, the certainly. As well. Um, but, but much for the future there. Um, in terms of Tony Mowbray then and, and plans for the playing side, did he reveal anything? Did he did he share his transfer hit list for the summer? I think I know the answer to well, that. Yeah, a, a little bit, to be honest. Um, I think the overarching message coming from the uh, the Open Four Q&A was he's expecting quality and defenders. You know, um, we submitted questions beforehand and a lot of mine were around the fact that we don't seem to invest in the defence is there a reluctance to invest in the defence and that was pretty early addressed by Tony Mowbray and he categorically stated that we will be signing defenders the defence has not been good enough this season which was I'm sure music to a lot of people's ears there because we've we've all been saying it for some time I think Um, so it was it was pretty general there's talk about bringing in more quality bringing in the right players obviously um, sticking to budgets Tony but I'm sure this will be um, on on the Radio Lancashire release when it comes out the process that we go through when signing players which was quite eye-opening um you know, nothing set in stone. Transfer deals seem to be, you know, with with the added um, agents thrown in there. I think uh, deals are done in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways, you know, with involvement from a number of different people at the club. Yeah. But um, I think it's important to state that Tony and Steve Waggett and Mike Cheston were all very, wanted to very much make the point that the signings were Tony's. You know, I've had my doubts that he's been solely responsible let's just say for every single signing that he's made but mm, me too. You know, if it, yeah if, if they're gonna you know I can only take them at the word they're saying no these are Tony's players he's wanted all these players and that's the way it will continue so you know that was um whether whether I 100% believe it or not you know is I'm not gonna really speculate on that the can't do any more than you know take them at the word they said do the players Tony wants and that's what we'll continue to do I think probably more interestingly um as tends to happen at these meetings when they finish um, everyone's kind of milling about a little bit and people will go and have a chat with the people from the top table and I kind of muscled in on a conversation that Tony was having with uh, with some supporters I know they were asking about um, targets and transfers and the name Patrick Bauer one that we're all familiar with mm-hmm. 
seemed to crop up every window came up and uh, Tony was very candid in what he said about him. He said, yeah, he's a player we looked at. We obviously put a bid in for him last year, which was rejected. And then went on to say, now he's on a free, that his agent seems to think he's worth 40 or 50 grand a week. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Straight from League One. God bless him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pretty much what Tony said was, look, he's playing in League One. We want bigger, better, stronger players who are going to come into the first team and improve it. So I took from that that, you know, maybe maybe Bowers off the radar at the moment. If I'd expect um, he wouldn't be the only player if he does come in. Um, I think we're all still kind of half expecting that deal to happen. But if he does come in, I think it would maybe be as, as a squad player rather than somebody to come in and yeah. um, really challenge. And I think we, we are probably going to get some players who, who are going to, you know, really make us think, oh, we've got a good in there, you know, exciting transfer targets yeah. coming in. Um, Jake Cooper from Millwall was mentioned. Um, he's had a good season at Millwall this season. Big, strong defender, scores a few goals. Um, Tony said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, he could be a target. I like him, you know, big, strong player. It wouldn't have surprised me if players from clubs like Millwall are on the radar and then they wait to see if they go down. And if they go down, they sort of think, <laughs> we might be able to go in there and nick a few bargains. But now they've stayed up, I suppose. Yeah. They'll be harder to, to tease out of fellow championship clubs. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think for me, looking at transfers, there's probably... Um, you know, there's some good sides in the playoffs with, you know, players who might be made available on loan or might be let go um, if they do get promoted. You know, there's still some unfinished business within the league to happen that might yeah. um, knock a few targets off the list or, yeah, or very much possibility so. for a few more. Yeah. yeah. So um, there wasn't really any other specific names mentioned, but um, I think I think I'd be very disappointed if we didn't make some. Um, I don't really like using the term, but marquee signings or signings that were going to be all pretty pretty excited about creating a bit of a buzz amongst the fan mm. base. Um, I think I think those those kinds of signings are good, um, but if you look back to last season, the, you know, the, the signing, I'd never heard anything about him before he came, and he was only on loan, but the guy who contributed most in last season, I would argue, would be Harrison Reid. Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, you know, that, to be honest, loans was something that was, it was mentioned, but not really touched on, I think, yeah. uh, you know. Harrison Reid's clearly a, a quality player who, it unfortunately, looks like we're not going to be able to uh, do a deal for permanently. He seems to have uh, desires to to have a crack at it with Southampton. He's probably, you know, it's probably the last opportunity for him to be able to do that. One thing that um, that Mowbray said was he, he wouldn't be averse to looking in the Premier League for players maybe coming to the end of the contracts who are going to be available on a free with big wages. However, you know. Um, if it's only for a season or two. Yeah, and um, I thought, interestingly as well, he mentioned um, players who are going to be able to help the young players we've got around the squad. And I think, for me, that's... Um, I, I was actually speaking to a friend yesterday and said, you know, we've, we've spoke Tony Mowbray and club speak about the uh, soldiers and artists thing. And I think what we've probably missed at the moment is a few generals, you know. Absolutely. All the heads to, yeah. to offer that bit of experience and leadership. A few beasts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think I think maybe um, you know a goalkeeper who's been there and done it and can give Ray a bit of advice would be helpful. You know, a big commanding centre back who's going to drag people kicking and screaming along with him and you know put the fear of God into anyone who's a bit scared of heading a ball. Yeah. You know, that that'd be yeah. nice. Just this idea of an older head might uh, might help us with that. While we've probably focused our 
transfer activity over the last few seasons on, on these young up-and-coming players, there's maybe a bit of realisation that we might need something a little bit different along there, a bit of quality to come straight in. Mm. You know, we can't just turn it into this, you know, factory of, of improving yeah. these young players. Going to have to complement them with uh, with maybe a bit more experience and a bit more quality. Yeah. You know, yeah, you win nothing with kids, of course, as they say. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> except not. if yeah. the kids are really, 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 really good. Yeah, and, and some of ours might be. We never know. But uh, yeah, it uh, it's going to be an interesting one, certainly over the summer and all the rest of it. So, so last thing I want to touch on, Duncan, is is very, very personal to you. What would it take then, and I know Steve asked you this question, what would it take for you to end your boycott and come back to Ewood Park? This is this is a bit of a strange one because I think for a while I've been kind of feeling, look, I've made no secret of my dislike of Venkis, you know, pretty publicly um, stated. And I think I've been feeling for certainly parts of last season, pretty much all this, that I've been cutting my nose off to spite my face a little bit. And I think I'm, I'm at that point now where I'm ready to... I think uh, John Murray of the Rollers Trust put it as people are ready to suspend their hostilities towards the owners. And I thought that was not 100% accurate, but, but not bad either. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy. as For me, it would be preferable for Venkis to stay in the background and carry on doing what they're doing. I don't particularly want to hear from them. Don't particularly want to see them coming out and waving at the crowd or anything like that. No. no. But I, I do like the fact that they seem to be letting fo- good football people who seem to have ability to do their jobs get on and do them. Yeah. I think for me, I'm at a point now where I feel that the best manager, you know, whether they stumbled across him, I think, you know, they were they were quite lucky in that Mowbray has turned out to be such a good fit for all of us because, you know, he came out of left field. Nobody Certainly was really did. expecting mm. it. But, but, you know, you can't argue with the jobbies, the, the kind of blip this season aside, which had, uh, you know, a few people a little bit worried, you know, we seem to come out the other end of that. And I think, you know, nobody's going to be as disappointed about that than Tony Mowbray himself. So we've got a good manager, been allowed to manage the team, seems happy and seems to have a real plan for us going forward rather than, you know, drifting aimlessly and making bizarre, well, could be argued we made a bit of a bizarre signing this year, but uh, not <laughs> the opportunity to, to take this team where he can and have a, have a real go with it. And also with Steve Waggett, his, his willingness to engage with fans impressed me, you know, rather than, for the first time, I think there's somebody there that doesn't have this us versus them mentality. Yeah. So he's not got the baggage, has he? The question of uh Hale did crop up at the meeting, <laughs> you know, they were <laughs> I know this wasn't on the agenda to talk about, but Fan, uh, fa- fancy, you know, foreign based owners wanting to put somebody uh, that they know and trust, yeah, to to, to oversee an investment in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> It, I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't strike me. It does. It, yeah, I, I think we we're, we're all victims, aren't we, of the circumstances? We all know about Jerome Anderson and Cantar uh, yeah. and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, it does seem rather that we're, we're still looking for conspiracies that don't don't exist. Yeah, um, and I, I think um, it was it was quite reassuring to hear how you know this Tony Mowbray and uh, Steve Waggett and Mike Chester all went to great length to to kind of allay people's fears and say, look, he, he's not this. Monster hiding in the cupboard yeah. somewhere. It is yeah. helpful. He provides a barrier. Yeah, as a bridgehead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. tried to get across to him was, you know, th- there is a lot of distrust there. If it was a little bit more visible, or even if, you know, you came out and said this more publicly, so hopefully people will, will hear what they said about him and, and maybe it will just um, put some of those fears to bed a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, he's, 
I, I certainly don't want him coming out and doing a shabby single all over the place, you know, and going on the radio and well, isn't nonsense. that yeah, isn't that an interesting point that yeah, a, num- a number of times, uh, certainly on the forum and on Twitter, it comes up. You know, what we want is communication from the owners and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I would argue strongly and vociferously, what we absolutely don't want is is that circus that we had around those times. What we want is more of what's happening now. Which is they give the cloak, they, they appoint people that they trust that that have got the capabilities and the competencies to do the job. They mm-hmm. give them a budget and say, "Get on with it." Exactly. Uh, and, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't really want fleets of Rolls Royces pulling up outside the club and people coming onto the pitch and all that. So I'm really not bothered about that. I'm more interested in the, the players that we buy and the, the way that we develop them. And yeah. the, you know, the funding the academy. We've got still competitively priced season tickets. We're up against clubs, three clubs that come down every season with massive parachute payments. The championship is a tough division to get out of. It's mm-hmm. not impossible, but you need a lot of things to align. As Norwich and Sheffield United showed, they were you know, by no means would they have been the pre-season friendly, uh, pre-season favourites. It would have been your Leeds United, Derby County, or Frank Lampard's Derby County, of course. They <laughs> might still go up. West Bromwich Albion, Stoke, all of, the, all of those clubs that, that came yeah. down, they would have been the favourites. So it's not impossible, but it's it's tough. And yeah. I, I don't really want any communication from India. About that. I just exactly. want them to go on with it. I couldn't agree more. To me, you know, if they if they want to communicate, do it through your actions, not yeah. empty words and silly gestures. You know, because that's authentic and it has credibility. Absolutely, yeah. You know, let let the let the people who are you know doing a good job and you know putting putting in some real hard work, trying to you know understand and re-engage and, and progress us as a club. Let them keep doing what they're doing and give them the tools necessary to do so. And yeah, long may that continue. And you know, I think. Them coming back, it might just antagonise a few people. I don't see what what positive purpose it, it would it would serve because you know they are providing the money on a monthly basis to you know keep the wolves from the door and, and subsidise us effectively. You know, for we we we've talked about this at length. We know, have indeed. Just, I mean, the reasons that they're doing that are you know still pretty unclear to everybody. One one thing that I'm I'm no wiser on from the consultation meeting is. Is the owner's motivation to keep doing that? So no, I suppose that's, that's a mystery, to... and it remains a mystery. I think uh, another question that cropped up was, how significant are we to Venkis in their business portfolio? And I suppose the, these bigger questions, um, I think we need to, for me personally, I need to kind of forget about those a little bit, get back to enjoying my football and, and just kind of go with it a little bit. I'm, I'm always going to have this nagging doubt at the back of my head that there's that there's always going to be another disaster not too far around the corner. I think Venkis have, uh, throughout their tenure, always had that in them. But while we're moving in the right direction, I think we need to uh, embrace it a little bit more, you know. And I'd say to any other person boycotting, I'm not going to tell you to rethink your principles or anything like that, but just maybe maybe stop, take stock a bit in this class season, have a look how things are going. And it's certainly worked for me at my... uh, might change your mind a little bit. So he, here's a thought experiment that we can end on. Uh, it's January 2017, and Venkis sell to a mystery owner. He he, do, he wants to, or he or she wants to maintain anonymity, uh, and mm-hmm. they manage through um, effectively a firm of lawyers. Let's say who who are, are the um, the front for the for the syndicate that's taken over. They sack Owen Coyle. They appoint Tony Mowbray. They appoint Steve Waggett. 
Um, we go down, notwithstanding that, but they stand four square behind the management team. They fund the team through promotion with the biggest wage bill in the division. We win promotion back. They consolidate their first season back in the championship. They maintain season ticket prices at, at the levels that they are, and they confirm that they'll do all they can within the FFP rules to fund the manager. What would we think of that owner? I think we'd be pretty happy, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think I think there'd, there'd always be the nagging worry of you know the amount of money we're losing, um, but I think you know that's a, a product of the environment that we're in. Yeah. Um, championship clubs to remain competitive are going to have to spend daft amounts of money at the moment. The parachute payments create such a such a unlevel playing field. There's not much else you'd be um, you'd be clamouring for um, no absolutely you know what, what what else righteously could we ask for so they could spend on infrastructure the, 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 so yeah. I think back to what Jack Walker did and he recognised that we needed a, a training ground that we needed an academy that the, the ground itself wasn't fit for purpose uh, and all that investment in the hardware as it were was undertaken we've got all that we've got the benefit of that um, to invest in the playing side of things brings you within the auspices of FFP so you can't just write an open checkbook. And, and you know, for goodness sake, uh-huh. these days in football, you're not so much competing with wealthy businessmen or oil barons. Now it's it's countries. Yeah, yeah. You can, if you want to compete with PSG, Man City, and, and and such like, you're actually dealing with nation states. So you know, the, yeah. the world has moved on. But I just yeah, if if I'd have won the lottery, let's say, and it would have to be a, a, a Euro Millions rollover, and I got 150 <laughs> million quid in my back pocket, and I got the club in January 2017, but I just wanted anonymity. I tell you, I've got to be honest. You know what what's happened over the last two years is pretty much what I would have tried to do. Yeah. Um, so, so it would be a tad hypocritical of me to to criticise them for for their actions since January two thousand seventeen. Of course, uh, there's the baggage of what happened before and, and the appalling decisions. But yeah, I'm I'm now philosoph- philosophically at the point of well, I didn't trust them then. I trust them more now because they've stuck with it and and they've got us back to the championship. If they could get us back to the Premier League, then the the slate is totally clean. But now, with the rules of the game as they are now, and they're not quite the same as they were ten years ago, uh, I'm not sure what else we can we can rightfully do. And to have more money to invest in that squad, the turnover's got to go up. And as we've yeah. already discussed, there's not that much TV money in the championship, so it's down to sponsorship deals, trading players, and um, match day revenues. So if they have to build a conference centre, if they have to, to get more seven-day-a-week operation to do that, then that to me those are all positive steps. So are you going to buy a ticket then? I think so, yeah. It's looking likely. Um, I think, um, you know, I'm pretty impressed, as we touched on before, with the yeah. season ticket offer. You know, price is decent. Um, I think the 18 to 25 thing is, is a really, really good idea. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. And you know it's you know they are tough times for anybody, aren't they? You know going into, suppose as well as you know making that step, you know people go away to university, people are at college, people are in if they're in work, in you know first jobs, yeah, relatively jobs. low paid compared to what they yeah. might be in the thirties and forties. Yeah, absolutely, and it's also a time. I think that's probably the traditional time where um, your other interests kind of can take over as well. So I think. Yeah. It's a, a really good idea to, to yeah. target that as a, and there's clearly a, a lot of work gone into this as well. Um, you know, looking at that that kind of um, portion of the market as being uh, a group that are maybe underrepresented, dropping off a little bit, um, and it makes sense to try and try and target those people and 
you know, keep them as fans for, for life. You know, I think young persons hitting 18 or whatever, you know, the, the parents might not be buying their season ticket anymore. It might have to be the first time they're yeah. putting around in their pocket yeah. to find it. And, Quite. you know, three, 300 and odd quid is uh, fairly hefty amount, 150 is, you know, maybe a couple of nights out. So, um, yeah, it's certainly more manageable and, uh, yeah, a, a sensible strategy to, mm, to safeguard good. the long-term support, I think. It's so going to be an like interesting one. It is. Mm. It's going to be an interesting one to track. I, I follow closely as well what Accrington Stanley do with giving away the free shirts, and they're they're really yeah. going for sort of like the the ten to twelve year olds to to get them to nag the parents to take them because I think that they might see the parents as being a bit of a lost cause because they will already support whoever they support. Yeah. The next generation is an interesting one, but the eighteen to twenty fives I think is a market, and I suspect it's come out of the research that they did that that mm-hmm. that the, 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 they lose a lot of people in that age group for all the reasons that you've just explained so we shall see what unfolds an exciting summer certainly in prospect yeah um, certainly um, it's nice to be you know uh, thinking about uh, transfer targets and being able to complain about those rather than the future of the club so I think, yes you know, I think yes we're not Bolton Wanderers and we haven't got Ken Anderson have we so there, there is always yeah. that to fall back on Overall, I'd say, um, for me, the consultation meeting was pretty cathartic and went quite well and gave me some renewed hope. While um, while I think there's, you know, I'm never going to be a a fan of the Venkies. Um, It takes something pretty miraculous for me to to change that stance. Three Champions Leagues in a row, that kind of thing. Might do it. (laughs) (laughs) With, with David, David Beckham as the, the football director, yeah. But I think, um, yeah, what, what's going on at the club now is certainly, um, during that entire time, I'm, I'm as positive as I, has, as I have been. Yeah. Um, certainly more positive than I have been about um, about where we are going forward. You know, yeah, we're in the Championship, not the Premier League, but uh, there seems to be a real desire to, to get us back up there and, and to safeguard the long-term future of the club. Good. Excellent. Duncan, thank you so much for, for giving up your time. I do appreciate it. I think it's great to get the insight into what happened at that meeting. Uh, and, and I know you, you've been on a, on a personal journey, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah and I think um, if, if, it, if the logic and the, the explanations and the rationales have credibility for you, I think that, that should hopefully allay some of the, some of the fears of, of some of our fans at the very least. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens over the summer and another season will be upon us before we know it. Thanks once again, Duncan. Much appreciated. Cheers. Thanks, Ian. By the way, massive thank you to Joe Bamford, uh, BRFCS forum member and his band The Symmetry for providing all the incidental music used in this episode. I hope you'll look them up on Facebook and if they're playing live near to you, well, go and see them. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's usually uh, usually my one, but we, we seem to have made this uh, little tradition of going to the beer festival because it ties in with the last game of the season. And uh, That's a happy coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm, quite, I'm not sure about the early kickoff. Sports Social Podcast Network. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
I'm a sushi chef. I also happen to be a cat. How'd I get here? Adobe Photoshop. It turned a cute kitty like me into a sashimi master. And it can make your images look amazing too. In just a few clicks, you can replace a boring background, swap out a so-so sky, and remove distractions like people and power lines. With Photoshop, everyone can. I love playing with this mouse. Click or tap the banner to visit Photoshop.com and pounce on your free trial today. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.